You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. We have perfect timing for our show today. Uh, I promise I, this isn't like an on-the-fly job. This isn't like me reaching out to a Tigers site and the Tigers writer because of the no-hitter. Uh, this is me reaching out, uh, knowing that the Indians are going to play on Monday, and I talked with Chris back in December. It's like, okay. And we had Rogelio on, who you record a podcast with, right? Do you want to tell them where they, the, tell them where they can find your podcast before I... I'll then dive back into the story more, but yeah, we, we uh, Rogelio and I do Tigers SRD, uh, which is just a weekly Tigers podcast for the most part. We do touch on on pop culture stuff too, but uh, yeah, you can find it anywhere you get podcasts: Apple, Spotify, all those good things. You know, it's a podcast I've been on a few times. It's a very I've had a lot of fun every time I am there. But I I reached out in December. We talked about then re- coming back to it, and it's like, oh hey, if they're on Monday, it's kind of harder to set up one of these. So we'll just talk about the Tigers and the Indians at the end of this week in preparation. And then we set up and talked about this week, and then the no-hitter happened. So, Chris, uh, first off, thanks for joining me uh, for this uh, WKYC video podcast. And uh, before we really dive into the game, why don't you give them you know, all the places they can find your work and everything else right now? Oh, absolutely. I do a lot of my writing uh, at MotorCityBengals.com, which is the fan-sided Tigers uh, blog, basically. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the podcast, Tigers SRD. And then, I don't know, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisBrown0914 if you want. I also contribute to the the YouTube and Twitter uh, feeds of Tigers Minor League Report. So you'll see a lot of videos of Tigers uh, prospects doing things. You know, they were playing a lot of uh, Cleveland prospects recently. They, they were playing against the Akron Rubber Ducks. And uh, so, you know, they, they pretty much are in the same Whatever the whatever they're calling the minor league uh, now, it used it's to be still the Eastern League. No, no, nope. okay, no, it's it's Double A East Northeast or something like that. It's really bad now. But in any event, yes, I I, I tweet about it, the minor leagues a lot. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in Tiger stuff, Motor City Bengals is probably the way to go. And you know, it's if you're an Ohio fan, uh, just a fan of teams in Ohio, uh, you'll be able to get a lot of information uh, about an Ohio State prospect. Uh, Again, I'm putting off the no hitter, but you know Dylan Dingler might be the best prospect Ohio State has put out in a very you know since Nick Swisher. I, I'm trying to think. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but uh, I, I mean I was high on him. But uh, you know, there's an Ohio State kid right there that uh, I'm sure could be fun for some people to follow. No, absolutely. And uh, we went out and, and caught a couple games of him playing there for the the high A West Michigan Whitecaps last weekend, and he. I said he had one of the best games I've ever seen in person for a prospect. And it wasn't like, you know, he went two for four with a, with a home run, but he was awesome on defense. He backpicked a guy at second base. And the home run was the fairy tale sort of thing where he was, they were down one nothing. And it was three balls and two strikes, two outs in the bottom of the ninth. And he hit a home run to the opposite field to tie it. It was like, oh man, this is cool. Uh, but, you know, yeah, he's, he's, He's still a little bit raw. That was, I think, why he slid to the second round was teams just weren't quite sure about him because he had this great offensive explosion the first, whatever, 20 games of 2020, and then the season was was canceled, and some people were, weren't quite sure if it was real or not, but uh, it looks looks real. So Tigers might have got a steal there, yeah. Yeah, I had him like 13th on my board, and I felt like I might have been underselling him at the time. 
I just, you know, I'm a sucker for that catcher who, if it doesn't work out at catcher, people think could play center field, maybe, you know, it's just that athletic profile is always fun. And then I, I want to say he was a Maslin high school kid. If you go back even further that I, I watched me like it had been the rival high school, but if you're in Ohio into Ohio sports at all, that's, you know, there's a nice little connection uh, for fans, but without further ado, it's, I don't know why I'm looking at my watch. I have the thing here on the screen. We're four and a half minutes in almost, uh, Spencer Turnbull. I feel like I've talked with you and Rogelio at least a half a dozen times about how he's my favorite for most underrated pitcher in baseball. I guess I have to pick a new favorite because now people actually know who he is. Uh, talk about the game, talk about Spencer, talk about, I mean, whatever you want, this is your chance to talk about yeah. in a dark season, what was a very bright spot. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you nailed it there. I mean, the, the first month of Tigers baseball this year was some of the most brutal baseball I've ever seen as, uh, as a Tigers fan who, who's lived through the 2003, uh, you know, American League record for worst team. The 2019 team lost 114 games, but they were, they were going out there and getting two or three hits a night. They've actually kind of turned it on in May now. I think they're eight and seven in May and they're playing pretty good baseball. But yeah, that's, uh, that Spencer Turnbull uh, start just kind of crept up on me. I, I was watching it. And it was just like a, kind of one of those quiet no hitters. And then I looked up and I'm like, oh my God, it's through six innings and he hasn't given up a hit. Yeah. And, and he's just, he's always been a sort of under the radar player. I think that's why, why you might consider him one of the more underrated pitchers, even when he was a prospect. And he was a second round pick out of Alabama. But there was always this debate about whether he's a starter or a reliever. And he just kind of was solid all throughout the minors. He never dominated at any one level. And the, the only thing that he did really well was prevent home runs, which, you know, I, I think a lot of people who are like sabermetrically inclined would look at that and go, that, well, that's just kind of luck. You know, pitchers can't really control that. Uh, but he's continued to do it at the major league level. And then this year, he actually missed the first portion of the season with COVID. And, and so you're like, you don't know what to expect. He's made five starts now, I think, maybe six. And he's just been excellent. He's he's the main thing with him is he's throwing strikes now. That was kind of his bugaboo the last year. And even when he was solid in 2019, although he went three and 17, he he would get himself in trouble by walking a few batters in an inning. And there seems to be the Tigers this year in general. And I kind of give this credit to to Chris Fetter, their new pitching coach, a former pitching coach of University of Michigan, who uh, the t Tiger starters are pitching much deeper into games this year and throwing a lot more strikes. And that's kind of all Spencer Turnbull ever needed to do. He had never gone more than seven innings in a start before. And then yesterday he goes nine, throwing strikes all over the place. And he's got a really unique fastball in that his four-seamer in that it, it, it kind of goes every which direction based. He's, he's kind of one of those seam-shifted weight guys. I don't know how much you've gotten into that on the podcast, if at all. Very, but his uh, fastball, his four Oh, okay. Well, so essentially, basically... Based on the orientation of the seams on the ball at release, he can throw the exact same pitch with the same spin rate, the same velocity, and the ball goes in different directions. Uh, and, and it messes with hitters because they, the ball, through years and years of repetition, they, you know you get to recognize okay the arm speed, the release. You see the spin even. These are you know highly trained hitters, and they expect the ball to be where it, a certain spot, and it's just not there. And... That's kind of the way he's always pitched. I don't think he does it on purpose. Uh, it's just been one of those things. Only in the last year or so have we been able to quantify that through the use of the Hawkeye pitch tracking technology to actually see they can measure where the ball should be based on the spin and, and then look at where it actually ends up. And it's completely different. <laughs> uh, in that, Like you said, so it prevents hitters from really squaring them up. And, and you saw that yesterday. He gave up a couple hard hit balls, but only two, I think, 
were hit had had an expected batting average of more than 500. Yeah, I mean he was he was getting ground balls and swings and misses, and it was a really impressive. I think by game score, it's the second or third best Tigers pitching performance ever, which is kind of wild because it didn't necessarily feel like that at the time, but he was just super steady and, and, and dominant. And it was really fun for, for Tigers fans to, to get a moment like that early in the season. Talking about the, the with the fastball and some of the other things that has gone on for him, I think it even stands out even more because it's with all and deservedly so all the, you know, the ballyhoo. That's the correct way to phrase that word. But all the talk about all the young arms in system, uh, Turnbull is kind of, it felt like a little bit forgotten. And just for him to step up, and I don't know if you saw the uh, the Tanner Burns article from the other day, but I couldn't help but think about that as I watched Spencer, since Spencer went to University of Alabama. Program isn't necessarily a, we know about it for football, but for baseball, I was, as you were talking, I was like, man, who's the other prominent person to come from there? When was the last time anyone came through and I, I currently don't have that answer. I will before the, the show is done, but it's, it's not been for someone like Spencer Turnbull. It maybe his development is a little slower than your typical sec arm, just because I don't know if he necessarily, that's not a program we really think of when it comes to development or the draft. No, not it, yeah. Alabama. I mean, sec is sec, but Alabama yeah. is not, is not one of the premier programs in the sec. I think Alex Avila also went to Alabama. Uh, former Tigers catcher, but I'm I uh, I can't tell you another pitcher. But my, yeah, uh, my baseball reference draft finder is being all wonky right now. Or I'd have that information in front of me. But uh, yeah, it, like I said, the Tanner for anyone who missed it, Tanner Burns had a great quote where uh, he said, "You know, he grew up an Alabama fan, but he wanted to be a major leaguer, so he made sure to go to Auburn." <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, that's <laughs> that's that's quite the quote. Uh, Dave Magadan seems to be. Oh, there you go. Uh, Greg Hibbard was a pitcher with a positive war from there. Frank Menachino. I remember there's a name. Dustin Moore, by the way, one of the five highest wars by an outfielder drafted by the Indians since the year 2000. Uh, I'm sorry, he was in 97, but still, it, since like the 90s, uh, Dustin Moore, outfielder, Alabama. So that's that's a tie end. But yeah, that's where you go. Dave Magdans. Uh, oh, uh, David Robertson. Oh, there you go. Yeah, the uh, the longtime yeah. closer. Yeah, or, and then know, uh, Tommy Hunter and Wade LeBlanc. That's, that's kind of where we go. Uh, so there has been a few pitchers. Uh, compared to most SEC schools, not much, I guess, is what we're kind of getting at. So that, that's one of those things where, personally, I tend to look at cases like when a guy goes to Vandy and doesn't develop, I'm a little bit concerned to draft that guy because I'm like, what can you do? But when you get a guy like Turnbull who went to a smaller program, sometimes I wonder if there's a, a better chance for success with that player. It's not a smaller program, I should say, but a... It doesn't have the track record. Yeah, and w- one thing that is kind of interesting, and I know that you're a big draft guy. We uh, we both love the the yeah, draft. Yeah. The Alabama actually has a couple pitchers who may I love go. Dylan Smith, Dylan Smith, and Connor mm-hmm. Prelip might go in yeah. the first round next year. So I was debating. You know, I'm such a statistical bend. When I looked at Dylan Smith, I'm like, he's an infielder who's barely pitched, doing what he's done in the SEC. Is 13 too high? And I see everyone else having him in the 20s, 30s, or 40s. I'm like. I feel really good about this, but I am on my own if I do this, <laughs> that level of debate. But I got to dive back into the video, but just like I saw him and, and it's too much of the like production plus ceiling coming together yeah. perfectly for me. And, and people on the video can see me making like a steeple with my hands. But often we get like high level production, but there isn't ceiling growth with this Dylan Smith kid. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of like the, the super athletic profile you dream mm-hmm. on where like, you know, I don't think he, I think Jacob DeGrom is taller. But it was Jacob DeGrom was a college shortstop. 
and uh, he's just he's thrown harder every year for like the last 12 years now that he got to pitching. So, uh, you know, you don't want to compare the kid to that, but they, yeah. I, I understand why you'd be high on him. That's just me, though. But yeah, no, I agree. Man, we I, I feel like we gave Turnbull his time. We're going to yep. take a quick break here, pay the bills, talk about our sponsors. I apologize for being extra stumbly today. Uh, Wealthfront.com, one of our brand new sponsors this week. Wealthfront is an investment site. Stocks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds aren't in your favor. Team up with Wealthfront. Now, the part I always like to read, because with ad copy, you can kind of pick and choose, is they, they talk about how you can get, they will lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can cover their low annual fee, which is 0.25%, and it's automatic. But if you invest now with Wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB, your first $5,000 are, all you need is 500 to get started to grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do it. To get your first 5,000 managed for free, go to Wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash locked on MLB to grow, start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB and get started today. I always feel like the dyslexic reading individual letters. I'm going to mess that one up at some point. Like it is inevitable. Like give me a list of letters and that's not going to go well. So I, I'm going to apologize right now. I'm pretty sure I got it right that time. And then Rock Auto. Rock Auto is one of our longest going sponsors at this point in time. It's it's them and Built Bar have uh, built this MLB network. What's great about Rock Auto is I'm a car idiot. I just am. I, I'm not a car person. I can navigate their site. I can find my car, my make, my model. I can find a part I need for it. So if I knew someone how to install it, knew how to install those parts, I'd be set. I would be using Rock Auto all the time. And if you do use Rock Auto, remember and you tell them how'd you hear about us box, you're gonna type locked on. That lets them know that their advertising money is well spent. Every time I go and have to get something fixed on my car, I use Rock Auto to compare. I make sure that where I'm going is not ripping me off. So even if you don't, if you're like me and you don't have the capability to install the parts uh, and you don't know someone who can, it's a great way to make sure you're always getting a great deal. Easy to navigate, family-owned business, 20 years in the industry, rockauto.com. Tigers, so far this year, we talked about the early season struggles, what has gone right, what has gone wrong. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't start out talking about maybe what is my biggest sadness for them, which is Willie uh, Castro. Yeah, no, he, he was, uh, he came up last year, originally he's so course, good last year, originally with, with Cleveland and, and came to the Tigers in the, I guess, from Cleveland's perspective would probably be the ill-fated Leonis Martin trade. Yeah, that's what um, I refer to it as. It's the one trade I felt like they've lost in the last five years, though Kyle Dowdy is at least interesting. There's a secondary piece, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Willie Castro was a, a real spark plug for him last year. He hit, uh, I mean, he, he was hitting like 350. It was a, a bad up of like 450 or whatever. It, it was outrageous. We knew it wasn't going to last like that, but he was a guy who certainly seemed like he had kind of one of those those you know above average hit tools, and he was going to spray line drives around the park and had surprising power. He he didn't hit a ton of home runs, but when he did hit them, they were like 440 feet. Like he really hit some bombs. I believe he hit a, a, a big one off Tristan McKenzie last year. I mean, everyone is kind of right now. It's like uh, McKenzie. The numbers aren't great, but one of those things is like when he gets hit, he gets pelted this year. So that would not surprise me. He's got high exit velocity numbers. 
Yeah, but so and then Willie Castro came out early in spring training. It looked awesome. He hit three home runs in like the first week or two or whatever, and it felt like, hey, this is a real breakout. You know, spring training, spring training. But you still you see these things, and then since then it's just been bad. He's not hitting the ball hard, and it seems to have carried over on defense. The Tigers really tried to make him stick at shortstop. He's got there's there's some issue there. I don't know if it's a mental block, but he could never get his foot footwork right. He stopped throwing the ball hard to first. He was just kind of lollipopping it over there. And it got so bad that they basically stopped playing at shortstop. They started moving to second base, and he's been worse at second base defensively. So it's been a real struggle for him on both sides of the ball this year. It would not shock me if he's sent down to AAA uh, soon, just by the way he struggled. Uh, but I do think that they they believe in him, at least in his bat, more than that he's produced. But, yeah, it's been a rough start for him. And, and that was kind of the way it was. He didn't necessarily stand out in the first month because that was everybody on the team. Nobody was hitting at all. Miguel Cabrera was, you know, hitting .90. Not that anybody expected him to, you know, be an MVP, but they thought he would hit, you know, two fifty or something. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been kind of odd. In May, they're playing like a legitimate baseball team. I think I mentioned they're eight and seven. They started hitting the ball. They still, if you go to Fangraphs and look at, at WAR, they still have the worst offensive WAR in baseball. But I, but part of that is, uh, you know, is it sounds kind of uh, counterfactual or whatever. It's because of their defense that they have the worst offensive war in baseball <laughs> by way to runs created. Plus they're just like the third worst team. I was uh, say, it's yeah, hard but, to compete with the Indians yeah, for that award yeah. uh, this year. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the extent to how bad they were in, in April, but they're coming around in May. Jamer Candelario has really been consistent. Robbie Grossman has been a, a really kind of a sneaky, good free agent sign for them. Uh, he's playing well. And I, I imagine when you talk to Rogelio, uh, I don't I don't know if it was before the season or at the very beginning of the season, but but kind of the big storyline in Detroit was Akil Badu because it was it was so much fun to see this young kid go out there from, from you know high A ball and tear things up. Yeah, I talked to him like uh, January. It was oh, okay. So he, he had the unfortunate thing of uh, the funny side story is I recorded a podcast with him. I went out and bought a, a snow shovel because it was going to snow. I was preparing to make a trip back home. And then I still to this day don't know what happened. My knee just uh, got to four times its regular size and I couldn't walk. So also Rahelio's podcast, I had to like sit on the shelf for like a week as I figured out stuff. But yeah, I'm good now. But yeah, no, he uh, I felt really bad because he took the time to record early with me. And then we had that go. But yeah, the kill. I mean, we were there at the beginning with uh, the Indians where the Indians dropped two out of three to the Tigers. And you had the Mickey home run in the snow that was great yeah. visually. But like the rest of the game was not at all like that. You had what Akil was doing. Uh, and, you know, it's just hearing you talk too about Willie Castro. It's funny because like his entire scouting reports in the minors was like the opposite of that. He was supposed to be the club for shortstop with a questionable hit tool and no power at all. So it, it just it's one of those times where often I look back and go, we really don't know anything. Those of us who are judging these players and evaluating, it's like we know nothing. We have no handle on how any of this is going to work out. Sometimes it feels like. Uh, but I have to say, you know, this week. There was another former Indian star for you guys with Eric Haas, Michigan kid, committed to Ohio State, you know, just to throw in another Ohio State catcher. You guys have, he didn't actually go, but because uh, of his Indians drafting, but uh, it's nice to see Eric Haas in there. Great guy in the interactions in the minors. Always had legitimate power, and you guys got to see that this week. Yeah, it's one of those awesome stories where, I mean, you hope he can keep it going. You assume, I mean, he, he was a guy with like a 35% strikeout rate in the minors. So you assume that's going to come and get him. But 
yeah, he's got legitimate power. He, he swings like he's trying to hit home run every time, and it, and he did. He hit two uh, in one game the other night, and then you know he goes out and catches a no hitter <laughs> the next night, and it's like, geez, uh, where was this kid hiding? But uh, yeah, you, you try to enjoy it while you can, knowing that this is probably not what's going to be happening in a month from now. Yeah, he's. I just I always appreciated him as the person who absolutely worked his tail off. I just remember when he was, he looked like he was going to be possibly designated for assignment. He just, he, he incrementally got better every year, took everything to heart. So it's, it's nice to see him succeeding there. When I look at the Tigers, you know, you're talking about Willie Castro, the other guy who stands out, who was the, the other kind of like player last year, the guy who was lighting the world on fire was Jacoby Jones. Uh, what's kind of the temperature in terms of him? Is he just, glued to the bench on most days at this point in time? Is there any thought or is it just like last year was a good stretch before he got hurt and that's all that's ever going to happen? Yeah, there's 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 kind of some Jacoby Jones fatigue these days. He, he was a guy that I don't know if he was ever necessarily considered a big part of the future when they first acquired him. They got him from Pittsburgh in a Joaquin Soria trade way back in 2015, I think. Uh, and he hung around the minors and did some things and, and then – he just looked like a fourth outfielder for most of his time. And then he would have these month-long stretches where he looked like an all-star. And one of those happened last year. Well, one of The first one happened two years ago, and then he got hit by a pitch, I believe, and broke his wrist, broke his face or something. I don't remember. He's had so many of these injuries. They're like, oh, man, that's a bummer. And the same thing happened last year. He was playing really well to begin the year, uh, kind of cooled off, but then seemed to be figuring it out again and then got hit by a pitch and was out for the rest of the season. And so far this year, he hasn't had one of those streaks. He's, I believe he's batting under 200. You know, it's a new coaching regime, and I don't think that they necessarily have a lot of, I wouldn't say affection for him, but they're not necessarily, uh, you know, tied to him. It's just there aren't really any other options at this point. They, they've, they've been playing Akil Badu a fair amount in center field, uh, even though he's, you know, he went through very reasonable struggles as a, as a kid coming from high A ball. And then, But they sent Victor Reyes, who was their Rule 5 pick in 2018, they sent him down to Toledo where he's playing well, as you might you know, expect. He's that level of player. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, Jacoby Jones may have minor league options remaining, and it wouldn't shock me if they send him down. We may see Daz Cameron come up uh, in the not-too-distant future. He's a uh, He broke his wrist this spring, and he's uh, doing some... He's actually rehabbing right now in Toledo. So Trying to find some value in that Verlander deal at this point in time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not no, the, yeah, I liked it at the time. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, Rogers is a guy who I learned a lot. He, he taught me about my evaluation mm-hmm. approach because I'm like, oh man, this guy's a great defender, but he hit like crap at Tulane. He's actually hitting in the minors. He's gonna be fine. And then you're like, yeah. look at the level that a guy is hitting at in age relative to the level. And being like, ah, uh, Houston was smart in their manipulation of. I've had some crazy theories over the years about Houston and how they align prospects to help in, you know, guys like Seth, Seth Beer and Rogers and the like, where they help increase a value to conceivably make them a better trade asset. This is my like conspiracy thought, but I think there might be something to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that people were maybe when the trade began there, there was some thought that, Hey, Rogers could be a regular and, and fairly soon after that, everybody's like, yeah, it's probably still a backup ceiling, but, but a, a very good glove back up with some occasional home run power and that's what he looked like for like the first two weeks when he came up in 2019 and then it went it became a disaster i think he hit 125 and he was playing poor defense and he never they never brought him up last year so it was like oh man is this guy a toast but 
he's come up recently and he looked good. He's hitting a little bit. I mean, he's still the same guy. It's it's a, a wild swing. I've never seen a hitter go down to one knee on swings and misses more than than him. But he's, he's you know he's doing a good job controlling the pitching staff, and there's still some value there. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about basically a backup catcher and a fourth outfielder probably for, in return for Justin Verlander. So yeah, people aren't terribly happy about that trade. These no, days. I, don't, I don't think anyone can blame him. Uh, I. We definitely have a few more questions. Uh, I was looking at the roster resource and some things I wanted to, to mention. First, let's take another quick break to pay the bills. Uh, our everyday sponsor we have is Bet Online. You know them. You go there. I typically go when I find a line. There's not an Indians lineup for Thursday yet because it's an off day, which I did not think about until I opened the lineup. And I'm like, hey, they don't have a line today. Why not? Oh, yeah, no game. So instead, let's talk about what else. Just here at the top, I see sports, live betting, casino, live casino, racebook, poker, esports, contests, promotion, promotions. Remember, when you do go to betonline.ag, you're going to use that promo code locked on to a 50% bonus on your first deposit and giving you free money. Go check it out for yourself if this is your thing. I mean, on the side, you can bet on politics, martial arts, horse trading. Go check out betonline.ag today. Remember to use that promo code locked on. Helps us out and it helps you out. 50% bonus. Who doesn't like that? And there's this, so those are back from break because I cannot, I was telling before the show that, you know, I'm, I'm four or five episodes away from 500 and I still can't break the bad habits that are instilled. So that one of the funny things you're talking about Robbie Grossman and I kind of liked Grossman as a free agent target for the Indians. Uh, when Rohaley and I talked, it was the frustration that like the Tigers are settling for Grossman and the Indians are adding Eddie Rosario. Uh, can we trade? Can I trade you a slightly used Eddie Rosario for a Robbie Grossman right now? <laughs> can I go back and uh, do? You, were you willing to make that exchange? No, no. I think Tigers fans. I think they're pretty happy with Grossman. You know, he, he's among the league leaders in walks. I believe he's he's stealing a bunch of bases. He's hitting for power and he's playing good defense. It's it's a pretty quality profile right now. I, I don't think his batting average is, is super high, but that's you know that's fine for everything else he's doing. So yeah, it's. Uh, He's been a nice catalyst for the lineup, particularly over the last couple of weeks as they as they started, you know, scoring runs again. It's like the and one of the biggest problems the Indians have this year is frankly, without Carlos Santana, they're not walking at all. Like this is a team that is struggling. Like that, you know, they're facing Otani today, and he's a guy whose walks per nine was over seven. Like I looked up his information before uh, to talk about uh, previously, and. Yeah, he's got a low ERA and he's striking guys out, but he's walking a ton of guys. The Indians managed two walks off of him in four and two thirds innings. Robbie Grossman is—he might be this the Spencer Turnbull of outfielders, like just reliably solid. You go back, it's like, and Cleveland had him. By the way, he was in AAA for almost an entire year with Cleveland back in 2015, maybe because 2015 he spent some time with Houston in the majors. Then 2016 he goes to Minnesota. Runs created plus 127, 104, 109, 89, 127 last year, 121 in Detroit. Like, and I knew at the time, like talking to Tigers fans were so mad about him. Like he just, he's good. <laughs> like he's not great, but like, that's not the, uh, the sign to get upset by. Uh, I am, I'm very jealous at this point in time because Eddie Rosario has been, you know, when I talked with uh, Nash Walker, the Lockdown Twins at the start of the year, he talked about the Eddie Rosario show or experience, and that's we're currently in one of the downswings. I know there will be an upswing where he's like the best hitter in baseball because that happens, but uh, I have some Robbie Grossman jealousy. And then speaking of players I love and I'm jealous of, I've been kind of tired of uh, all the negativity attached to Casey Mize throughout the past few years of him not being 
good enough or that he's not going to live up to that first overall pick or that he may not even be more than a mid-rotation starter. How much of that were you hearing in Detroit? Was it just like me running into this wall of it? Or did you feel like legitimately people were starting to view Mize as just okay? Uh, yeah, I may have uh, contributed to some of that. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was, I would tweet out like stats, you know, his stats through first, his first 11 starts or whatever. And, and it's, I, even somebody I, like, I know better that I know that he was never billed as like the next Verlander or Garrett Cole. He was never going to be that type of pitcher. He, he's, his, his, uh, points, like sticky points were going to be that he's, this is a guy who's polished, uh, with, with good command and a splitter and like this broad arsenal of pitches and he's going to step up and be a pretty good mid-rotation starter pretty quickly. He struggled like a lot of young starters do. He seems to have figured some things out lately. He's still not putting up the gaudy strikeout numbers, but he's doing a great job of keeping hitters off balance. And I, I will say, and I still believe this, that that for whatever reason, he's not the control command pitcher that, that he was billed as coming out of college. He In college, it was unbelievable, the numbers. Yeah. He's he's good for like two or three walks and hits batter hit batters every game, which is you know it's not like a huge issue. He's still a capable starter, but it's just not it's not who who we thought he was. And his splitter has basically been absent all year. But he's learning how to pitch with his other stuff. He's actually throwing harder now than he did in college. And and it's just one of those things where you you have to let these younger pitchers figure it out and develop. And, and I always go back to. When the Tigers first acquired Max Scherzer, he was this electric arm that still would get bombed every now and then. Uh, just, he just like, didn't have it to get. Like I just, yeah. he was still a, he was like a wild thing then. Like there was still yeah. when they made that trade. I, I'll be honest, I wasn't a big fan of it because I'm like, oh, he is so inconsistent. I mean, I look like an idiot now, but I can admit that. Like he was so inconsistent when they got him. Well, and that's that's one of the hardest things I, I imagine evaluating baseball players is is trying to figure out if they have that insane drive to, to win uh, the sort of the sort of what I think of JD Martinez, a guy who was like a 19th round pick out of a junior college and never did a whole lot, was never super highly regarded. You know, he was a prospect at one point, but just had this incredible desire to get better and, and did everything he possibly could to do it. And, and same with Max Scherzer and not to say that Casey Mice is or isn't one of those guys, but you've seen, you've seen flashes. Like he was really upset the other night when they, they uh, took him out. I think he was through seven and two thirds innings, the longest start of his career. And AJ Hinch took him out to let a lefty face uh, Jared Kelnick, who was also taken in the 2018 draft. And, and there's this video of, of Mize on the bench, very, very upset. And, and we were trying to figure out what he said to Hinch. And I think, and I, I will self-censor myself, but I think he said he's an effing high schooler. Like he was like very demonstrative. Like he wanted to get, the kid out and it's what you like to see it's what you want to see about from from a, a a young starter and yeah he's looked better recently like i said it's 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 a growing process with him and same with Tarek Skubal. Tarek Skubal has looked kind of rough this year and, and it seems to be largely mental he's not necessarily as they say you know throwing every pitch with conviction and really competing on every pitch and that's just something that these young pitchers need to learn now, a not-so-young pitcher, uh, who I've been very, very wrong about in the early goings of this year, is Matt Boyd. I advocated the Tigers to uh, doesn't, you know, to not offer him arbitration uh, like a fool because I just, after the past few years, I didn't think he was coming back. What's different with Matt Boyd this year that uh, makes me, again, you know, I, I love to jump out and point out, like, 
hey, I got this right. Hey, I got this right. Well, I also like to point out when I'm very wrong, and Matt Boyd has made me very, very wrong. <laughs> well, he made a lot of people wrong, and this is another, you know, I touched on on something, whatever it is that Chris Fetter is doing this year that seems to be working better. But, yeah, I mean, Matthew Boyd has had, like, this four-tier career where he was kind of the second piece. He wasn't viewed as, as good as Daniel Norris when he was really originally acquired from the, the Blue Jays. You know, Daniel Norris kept getting hurt, and Boyd was like, hey, this looks like a solid mid-rotation starter or back-rotation back starter. And then he had this weird, you know, like six-week period where he looked like an ace. He was just striking out like 13 guys per nine and, and not walking anybody. And then after that, there was this year-and-a-half period where all he did was give up home runs. Like, it was absurd. He was posting like six-and-a-half ERAs. And that's why, like, yeah, it seemed like a guy that you would – non-tender basically and mean but this year the strikeouts are gone but so are the home runs and it from what i can tell basically all he's doing is throwing more change-ups and fewer sliders he, would, he basically became a fastball slider pitcher and he's throwing more change-ups now and he's basically just mixing all his pitches better and it feels like the other shoe is going to drop at some point he's going to start giving up the home runs again once uh, hitters figure him out but He's another guy who, who's just constantly tinkering and, and improving, and it's that's one of the hard things to figure out about pitching in the major league level is, is guys who can keep, uh, you know, keep changing who they are to compete. No, I agree. No, it's, I agree. Uh, it's, it's always one of those processes. Process. You never know who's going to be the one to do that, who's going to step up. And I think that's where the Indians have had all their success is you look at their arms and the guys who have – it's been that almost competition between them. Like I said, I believe in the Tiger staff. I'll be very curious to see where they can go from here. We're out of time. I could have talked for so much longer. I want to thank you for coming on, Chris. Again, can you tell them where they can find all of your work, Twitter and all that fun stuff? Yeah, you can find our writing on MotorCityBengals.com. Yeah, obviously, a lot of articles about Spencer Turnbull today. Uh, you can also listen to us at Tigers SRD, the podcast, at, at all your favorite podcast stops. And uh, you know, check me on Twitter, Chris Brown0914, and Tigers ML Report. Yeah, it was, like I said, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, glad that you could come on. Thank you again. And I'm sure we'll, maybe we can try one of these. Now that I see how it works, we can maybe try a, do a 3-1 with Yumi and Rogelio oh, yeah. later in the year. We can... Uh, uh, next time the Indians match up, maybe we can try to get all three of us in here and, and try one of those out. But uh, again, thank you. I uh, remind everyone to rate and review, download daily. That all helps the show grow. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.